Welcome back to Incremental, the continuous improvement podcast. I'm Devin Bedoni. And I'm Uriel Eisen. And today we are going to go over some improvements, get a little more in-depth on kind of what we worked on this last week. Um, and why. And why. <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to kick it off? Yeah, we don't have a quote. We used both of our quotes for last, last episode. Oh, man. <laughs> Here I have a quote. You do? Oh, man. Magic. <laughs> it's from Elon Musk, which I hesitate to quote, but it's a good quote. Let's hear it. The best part is no part. So that was a good quote. Interesting. I suggest that like I feel this way about like file management. And in fact, actually, if you look behind you, there's a a stack of 20 bins, which as I was buying them, I'm like, is should I get rid of the stuff that is going in these bins or do I need it? Like, mm-hmm. am I just refining a thing that should be eliminated? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure the answer is both yes and no. Right. So like what I'm excited about is for things to have a place. Yeah. Um, and I think that that may lead to getting rid of more stuff when it's like, Oh, now that this is all in one bin, we have five of them, right? Or something like that. Uh, but for ex- like one of the big ones is prototyping. Mm-hmm. I just have like a stack of random bits of like webbing and 3D <laughs> printed parts. And I just want like a bin for each project for uh-huh. each and um, other things like uh, maintenance kits. Yeah. Um, just stuff. But it is worth bearing in mind. Also, I think when you're getting into like ERPs and you're getting into software solutions and data management and collecting data, like doing QC, if you can eliminate it, that is always better than refining it. Mm-hmm. Uh, assuming it's not needed. <laughs> um, but often I think we, we forget. We just won't measure anything. <laughs> yeah. But I think often people forget to think, can we just skip it? Yeah. Right. It's like, can we refine it is maybe question two. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. So there's a quote for the week. Yeah. And when it comes to product design, lowering part count always is always great. Always great. Yeah. Critical, you might say, <clears throat> actually. Um, so I finally, after much thought and discussion, sat down to write the SOP for our job setups. Oh, very cool. Did not take very long. Should have just done it. But uh, that's, I feel like, all the good improvements. You're like, how did I wait this long? Yeah. Um, and I think, um, you know, it. I think it will be helpful for the employees. I think it was maybe even more helpful for me. To make um, it explicit or what? Which part? Yeah, for me to just th- kind of think through it and be like, what What are all the actual critical tasks that mm-hmm. need to happen before we say this is good to go that makes sense uh and put them in one place um in combination with the new webcams at the workstation computers um that was a big part it's just like take pictures take pictures of your setups instead of writing a thousand words instead of writing a thousand words i Way still faster. sort of have to write the words for the setup to happen uh-huh but um for things that we're going to do again and need to come back to I, but I feel like you ran into a bunch of issues that were that are fixed by just a photo, right? Like when you said zero point and it was actually the fifth access rock lock. Or, mm-hmm. It's like yeah. you look at the photo. Oh, I see. Yeah. <clears throat> so somehow just like putting in this SOP, like take photos before you put the little green thingy on the machine that says good to go. Oh, cool. 
um, that's kind of the trigger is like, do all these things, check this list Very nice. before you put the green thing on the machine. And the green thing on the machine is a little <laughs> ring around the start button. Yeah. That indicates to everybody that the job is set up and good to run. And so can I ask, how are you thinking, um, how do you interact with it? Is this something you printed out and laminated and it's stuck to the machine? Is it something no, I just have, on your desktop? It's uh, in our ERP. Okay. So we have an SOPs tab okay in our erp our erp is like loosely well not loosely specifically but there's a bunch of stuff in there that we kind of don't look at on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and there's like three tabs that we kind of look at on a daily basis which is a jobs which has um kind of basic informations of like a group of parts usually unless a, a job is just one part so we don't actually use that one a lot and then job processes, which is where all of the kind of important information lives. And then I have added this SOPs tab. Okay. And it's um, one thing I really like about Airtable is it allows you to like filter and sort lists in right. very effective ways. And it keeps you from kind of having to like in the past, I've been fond of classic file structures. Yeah. The issue with file structures are is if you go down the wrong path, yes. it's very hard to back out and figure out where the correct path to go is. And it can be easy to put things in multiple places or in the wrong path by accident just yep. based on what you're thinking at that time. Um, so having an Airtable allows you to um, sort by a lot of different variables and or sort and group. Um, and so it's really nice to just kind of have this flat list and things are broken out if you don't see it, you can just like kind of, is it like, is it not in machining tasks? Is it in admin tasks for some reason? Um, Interesting. And it's also very easy to resort instead of having to like go in and find something and copy or cut and like move it to another folder. You can just change a drop down and it'll move to the one that you want it to be in or something like that. Yeah. So it's, it's find it very easy to modify and adjust. And, and I think there's also pieces of information that are useful and and you see this with file structures this is sort of where they fall apart is mm-hmm. they're useful to more than one process and in a file structure you sort of have to have two copies or i think you can create an alias or something mm-hmm. that points back to the original yeah but instead of just having it applied to more than one yeah yeah relational databases are they're cool. quite cool <laughs> yeah there's a lot of there's a lot to be said for it there's a few things uh, where it really falls flat on its face. Um, one thing, as I've mentioned, I've been talking with a friend about building out a new, a new right system for us. That's a little more streamlined and stripped down. And one like real big issue that from the research he's done, there's no way to get around it is that the, all the scheduling, um, aspects of Airtable, So like Gantt charts and, Mm -hmm. and things like that, um, they don't go down to the like hours and minutes level. They're purely by days. So if you're trying to schedule things that take less than a day, it just doesn't work. Um, it's That's really, wild. I don't know enough about Airtable. I can't imagine how that would be true, but I'm sure. It, it's odd. Maybe uh, it's like the native tools don't do it, but the, and so you'd have yeah, to get you, like super custom. You Or you there's like plugins that will allow right. you to do it, but then I, you like don't like plugins yeah not a fan i'm on shopify Uh uh-huh 
and they have a big marketplace for plugins. And I think the upside of plugins is it sort of enables a level of flexibility and customization. And the fact that they're building APIs means that people can build these plugins Mm -hmm. that are fairly powerful, but then they don't play well together or you pick the wrong one from the get go and invest hours and hours and then discover it's missing one key feature. (laughs) Right. I I don't know. It's not. Yeah. We have a handful of plugins for like different views in Airtable and we found that we just don't end up using them. Interesting. They look like when I kind of got demoed on the system, like they looked sexy. I was like, oh, cool. It's It's like like, have all the stuff in the right place, like very easy to interact with. And then we found like just like the straight list, like spreadsheet (laughs) style is where we always find ourselves. That's funny. And we're like, hmm, I guess there's a reason that data gets organized this way. Interesting. people. Um. Yeah, so I guess I'm curious, like with your SOP, um, if you, I'm curious to hear maybe next week or in the coming weeks, just how you uh, stay on top of using it. Mm -hmm. Um, I found I'm not anticipating that we're going to use it daily. I'm anticipating it's so will it become. I think it's going to be just an OP reference document. (laughs) Okay, Um, something that we're going to kind of like focus on integrating over the next couple of weeks. And then once it's sort of standard practice, it can be there as a reminder. Right, right. That makes sense. And maybe that will need to be like a, a little checklist or a note at the machine that says, did you follow right. setup SOP? Because right now there's, and especially like this last week when things were, um, you know, the schedule was weird. I was, you know, really focused on something else. So the the employees were kind of on their own um, and things felt a little bit rushed and kind of just out of the ordinary. Um, I think it was hard to remember to do stuff like that. So I think it, yeah. Nice. That's still part of the ongoing process is how is we're going to integrate and and keep this happening. Yeah, yeah. We've been playing a lot with like um, point and calls and, yeah. Yeah. Levels of SOPs. Like, do you write it in excruciating detail, which means <laughs> no one is actually going to use it as a checklist. Yeah. It's more an instructional document. Anyway, it's a, it's a funny uh, line to draw or, or walk. Um, as I'm saying that I'm thinking a relational database might be a really nice way to organize that because you could, you sort of have like one task, which is document your setups. Mm-hmm or even just setups, and then you have a number of documents that are associated with that, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you'd have like the point and call at the machine, and then you might have a more in-depth checklist, and then you might have a fully fleshed out document of exactly how to do it, and they use the webcam, and you click this button in this app <laughs> to mm-hmm. get that, and then, right? Yeah, as you're saying that, it kind of is a little bit intriguing on, as we build out a new system, how um yeah if we could like integrate sort of a generic or like a standard setup into each uh, or a standard sop into each setup Mm. to to be referenced right and you just kind of change the details for that particular job or particular part but it referenced yeah anyway that's that's interesting cool thing to think about um i have a really really small one here um (laughs) But a lot of them are small. So this was basically when we cut our webbing, we are still using a hot knife, which is a different 
conversation, but mm-hmm. um, the cord kept sort of like slowly dropping down behind the desk kind of so oh. that to use it, you sort of have to Yank pull it. it out to get <laughs> enough slack to then use it. Uh-huh. And it's funny because I feel like that's been happening for probably the last six months. And at the beginning, it's an annoyance, but you're in a, in a hurry. Someone implemented a small fix that improved it, but didn't solve the problem because mm-hmm. it used to like dangle down on the floor. And then sometimes you'd sort of, like trip over it and pull the hot knife off the Yikes. desk. Yeah, it wasn't really a Oh, it doesn't go until issue. you pull the trigger. Yeah, right? it wasn't really like hot. It was more just a critical piece of infrastructure that was <laughs> hurtling at the ground. Um so that improvement has been there, yeah, for maybe three months. And then um, so we finally fixed it so that you don't have to pull the cord to get slack every time you want to go use it or nearly uh-huh. every time. Yeah. And the more broad piece here is I've found. I, I think it's easy, like I think what was happening is that that action of pulling out the slack in the cord, you know, to get slack in the cord, it sort of became habitual mm-hmm. and just how you use that tool mm-hmm. such that it didn't really register as a problem anymore mm-hmm. or it's just like yeah to use this thing you pull the cord you know you pull your hand back till you have enough slack in the cord and then you go use it so yeah um it, it's interesting it's hard to continue to see waste as you build sort of like muscle memory and just like habit of like this is how we do it and it's it's easy <laughs> to forget to step back and reanalyze. Uh, I'm having this memory of this business I was kind of helping with okay. at, at one point, helping with a piece of equipment. And I'd always be like, well, if we do this, you know, you could change this whole workflow in the space and it'd be so much better. And I remember the the person I was working with being like, but then we'd have to move that table. And I was like, <laughs> it's a folding table. Already? You get that and I'll get this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Just move the table. That's like, funny. This yeah. is this is like a multi-thousand pound piece of equipment. It's challenging to move. If we move that table, <laughs> we can just like the things can just continue to run off the end. We get you know That's all the funny. next processes. Yeah. Instead, there was this like, yeah, spot where you like someone had to pick them up and then like cross. They had to like cover all these cords. Oh, it was like everybody had to go through this pinch point where you're picking these things up uh-huh. and moving them to another spot. And I was just like, We can fix this. I threw up my hands and left. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds like an attitude problem, but beyond the attitude problem, I suspect if you came into our shop, you'd see a bunch of things like that too. And it's just like, it's well, hard to keep seeing. I mean, it's stuff. an attitude problem, but it's, it is just like getting used to the status and like, yeah, it's like, that's how we do it. Some people I think actually start to take comfort in like the fact that they know all of the weird ways to do a thing yes it starts to feel like a, almost like a point of pride it feels yeah. like expertise yeah and you're just getting good at a really silly thing yeah I think. <laughs> yeah no i think that's true i'm amazing at taping this rubber band in this special way <laughs> yeah if you do it just with this half twist you're really yeah yeah um Lordy. yeah and and even stuff like you know we're not putting a table there because this cabinet um, it's not, you know, there's not enough space because of this cabinet. And then it's like, well, what's in the cabinet? Mm-hmm. Oh, nothing. You know, <laughs> cleaning supplies. It could go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's just hard to keep, keep analyzing. Yeah. As I've considered a new space, um, moving to a new space. Yeah. It's, it is a little overwhelming feeling like I feel oh like I've God. learned a lot about how I would like a layout to be, but it's very kind of it's a little bit amorphous in the sense that I've never been able to like place it in a space. 
And then as soon as I look at an actual space and start to place it, I'm like, okay, this will go here. Oh no, but then that'll be in the, oh no. And <laughs> it's a, uh, I, I think it's just, I think it is just a big challenge. You know what's going to happen? You're going to move into a much bigger space. You're going to end up arranging things exactly the same way <laughs> and then just have like random bits <laughs> on the perimeter. Or just like an ocean of space that we just like look yeah. at. And you're like, ah, oh, man, yeah, it's too complicated. Um, yeah, uh, I have another one. Um, so we're, we, we're having an issue with, uh, turns out we shipped some product with webbing that was cut at a different angle on the end. Hmm. Not an angle I like. Um, it was just a little more blunt than we like to do, mm -hmm. um, but I never communicated that. Uh -huh. Did um, the customer notice and complain? No, I noticed and complained. Gotcha. <laughs> um, it wasn't faulty. Like it's going to function. It just didn't look great. And I think it would be a little bit harder to feed through the buckle uh -huh. initially. Um, and so we added a template at the station so you can compare the part you're cutting mm -hmm. um, to a template that is sort of holding a standard, like a zero, mm -hmm. and then an example product. So anyone can sort of pick it up and look at it and say, does this look like that? Um, Can't you just put the knife on like an arm so it's set? Yes. Uh, again, us cutting webbing with a hot knife is a whole conversation. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we do. We cut not, we cut perpendicular like a, a flat end and then we cut an angle end alternating. Mm. So it needs to be able to switch. But that is something mechanically achievable uh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to do it, you know, and then you're like, man, that's a project. And so we're still using the knife. So I thought it would be cool to do like a pneumatic piston yeah. vertically with the hot knife on it or a soldering iron or something hot. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the top, like there's the pneumatic pistons that have the rod that goes all the way through. Mm -hmm. So I thought you could have sort of a, a two stop stops. So it. it spins. Yeah. Yeah. And then just like a foot pedal or something. Mm -hmm. And then if you get your finger in there, um, <laughs> burn... Well, you could skip the piston and just have like a spring-loaded arm that's like preset. Oh, true. And so then you just have a pedal that you're pulling down. Pedal for like, maybe pedal for power, and then you use your hand to push it so that it's sort of OSHA. Right. Like, I guess you could still theoretically put the pedal. I mean, I could also shield it. Into it. Yeah. yeah. No, hand lever would work. I could even put the switch right on the lever. But, you know, then that's building a custom machine, which... Mm -hmm. It's not a complicated machine by any means, but so do I work on that or do I work on the belt? So what is the standard way of doing Like what would be the industry standard way of doing this be? Uh, depends what industry, but um, there are automatic machines where you just tell it what to cut and it does it. Mm -hmm. um, most of the ones that are off the shelf that are not very expensive, um, you know, like two to three grand instead of like 10 grand. Mm hmm do one angle you set the angle that they cut and then you just run a bunch of them the other thing is like a lot of machines out there they are optimized for batch production yeah so you sort of dial in the length dial in your parameters and then you say you know cut me 50 cut me 100 mm -hmm. um you know i love one that has at least like memory buttons right so you could sort of say you know cut 18 inches or 36 or yeah like our standard lengths um, we may just end up building our own, which honestly would be a nice, uh, cause it's a pretty simple machine. It would be a nice place to start building the 
knowledge internally of like how to build custom machines Mm -hmm. because we have a lot of like little things that i feel like we'd be better off building um because they do what we need much better yeah as i was thinking through that too i think having something that rotated to stops would be inferior to just having two one that's Hmm. preset at one angle and then one right next to it that's preset at the next angle and you just like that's an interesting thought pull one cut and then pull it through the next one and then cut yeah it's an interesting thought especially in light of the fact that we're trying to offer more webbing colors Mm -hmm. um or in the near term it probably won't happen but just managing our current uh color offerings in two different widths it ends up being a lot of rolls of webbing Mm -hmm. and so we will probably the current thought is to have a rack and then have sort of like a shuttle that moves to the color and width you want oh along the front of the rack to do the cutting Mm -hmm. and so in that case you could have and the shuttle has the whatever the knife on it probably um yeah that would be cool so then you could have two of them right next to each other and just Mm -hmm. move it two inches this way or two inches that way right to do your two ends uh yeah i was actually just thinking of them in line oh in line is a much better plan Mm -hmm. yep hmm keep thinking about that it does seem like you could almost make that from off the shelf stuff of like uh would it be like we were talking about like a boom mic holder or something like Hmm. there's like i feel like there's probably some like off the shelf spring-loaded parallelogram type deal yeah i mean in in thinking about just doubling them up which is i don't know why that never occurred to me but it's a good idea i could probably just buy two webbing like manual webbing cutters and mount them in sequence next to each other is that a thing a yeah yeah you, you pull a lever and it cuts the webbing with hot like hot hot yeah oh yeah do that. they're kind of enormous but i'm sure i could find a small one hmm. anyway interesting oh like yeah uh, i'm thinking about the maybe this is different but like when you go buy bulk climbing rope at rei hmm. or something and they cut it right there yeah similar to that but <clears throat> interesting uh small small little thing we finally got the signal light up on the lathe okay we had them on the on the mills the lathe was a little bit more of like a confusing install okay but it actually went pretty quick um so that's great so nice all the machines have have signal lights and so far it's great again it was kind of a weird week to start with that because we weren't doing a lot of production work um but i actually actually now that i say that it was actually very helpful because um i was doing these this kind of prototype tooling work uh i was running parts on the lathe and a mill at the same time and doing assembly oh um and because i would like i didn't have any extra parts for uh because someone may have cut some stock incorrectly <laughs> for one of them uh i was definitely like not pushing any limits on the machining side so some of the cycles were kind of long yeah um and running things on operator stop so i could check and stuff like that oh nice and so if i was like over at the other machine being able to look and just see that it was still on cycle and then as soon as it finished run over and and uh go to the next thing was actually it's actually incredibly helpful now that (laughs) now that i'm remembering back I, i used it a lot uh so that was pretty cool um so i would suggest anybody i don't know i'd always 
like looked at that option when purchasing machines and been like, who needs that? (laughs) Why? And now I'm like, it will never live without one again. Pretty sure. Um, We also started using Lightburn officially. Okay. So we had like, Lightburn is your laser cutter program. Laser, laser engraver software. Maybe you can use it for cutting. I'm not really sure. Again, I haven't really touched it, but, um, (laughs) that's good. Yeah. Ariel kind of got into the weeds with it this last week a little bit. And so I think it's easier to use does better file import Hmm. and the unknown or unanticipated bonus is that it actually runs the laser differently apparently. And so it's faster. Wow. The cycle times are lower. Interesting. That's very nice. Which is cool because sometimes they add up or they did add up. Huh? I've always seen these videos of it happening super, super fast. Right. And with uh, EasyCAD, Ariel had done a lot of experimentation to try and get cycle times down while still maintaining quality. And for whatever reason, it was just like always slower. And, you know, we'd see something, I'd see some video online that's like, you know, 25 seconds. And then ours would take like a minute or two or three. Wow. Um, so that's really cool. Huh. I don't know why. I'm very curious. If you, if, you, if you do ask Ariel what the difference is, I'd be curious to know. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's, it seems like a lot of, there's like a lot of different. Path planning or? I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's good. It is cool. And what pushed you into, what finally pushed you into getting a new software was? Was uh, file import issues. Okay. Um, so we'd get a file from a customer, what they wanted to have engraved. Mm-hmm. We'd bring it into EasyCAD and it would just be this mess. Oh God. Um, like, yeah, like something you'd look at and just be like, how did that happen? You know, like lines just like extended to some weird, like, uh, what's that called? You know, when you uh, do like vanishing that, point, yeah. Like some <laughs> weird vanishing point. Um, or maybe they drew it into or whatever during the import export process. Yeah. Like all of these linked chains became, yeah. Uh, uh, unlinked somewhere and so the software wouldn't recognize it as like a closed right loop. right right <clears throat> so um yeah that sounds it was a pain <laughs> yeah it's not good it's nice. not a wasted time on something that is mostly a lost leader for us anyway this is not great um yeah that doesn't sound ideal so let's see yeah so we hired a while ago at this point um a couple months and it has been hugely impactful to uh just r d efforts like we're now producing um many iterations of uh a couple products we're working on which saying that out loud um single piece flow (laughs) um maybe we should be doing one at a time i don't know how to balance that because i feel like sometimes things just kind of need to marinate in my head Mm -hmm. and then eventually i'll be like oh here's a good option for that yeah um that's how i unfortunately that's how i feel about improvements that i make sometimes yeah yeah so i don't know maybe there's an underlying reason for that or maybe i don't know anyway so we have a lot of sort of r d hours and in more things that are unreleased is the net effect Mm -hmm. that's the bad side Mm -hmm. (laughs) on the plus side uh there are just now like i was such a key hire and should have happened sooner Mm. um yeah just to grow the business really i mean basically i was at a point where 
like it was me and two part-time people, one of which is very part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were just like enough orders and enough demand all the time where every day was basically a production day. And then I'd try to squeeze in mm-hmm. R and D sort of after hours and yeah, I mean, that was just like, it's not sustainable. Not at all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no. And then like sales, squeezing in sales around that also is like, yeah. anyway, so yeah, it's funny. We've, it sort of felt like a slow month and then I was looking at the numbers and this is our best quarter yet. So, uh, <laughs> that's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is of course like best quarter in terms of revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's best in terms of profitability cause like bringing on a second, you know, sure. payroll Pro- is probably not. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely see the potential there cause now we're not production limited. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have new products coming out and we're really keeping up with production and have a lot more capacity, you know, so it's, it's definitely like it was getting to a point where it was like I was spinning my wheels real hard. Yeah. And well, and yeah. it seems like you guys are doing a lot of process improvements as well. So that's a lot. That's like Ooh, pushing yeah. the peanut forward on many fronts simultaneously. Pushing the peanut. Yeah. I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> never where that comes from. I don't know, but you can imagine. Yeah, no. pushing the peanut. <laughs> um, it is a nice alliteration. As yeah, as we were discussing last episode, like um, in small businesses, it does seem like labor is one of the, like maybe the limiting factor. Yeah, for most people. So, took a long time to come around to that myself. Yeah, I mean it's nerve wracking, and it's a huge. I mean, I was sort of talking about this with uh, Sam. Um, like going from one person to two people is such a big, I mean, that's a hundred percent change in sort of Mm -hmm. hours that you need to somehow plan for. And like, it's a big shift. Yeah. Like going from two to three is, you know, half that shift Yeah, and so on. So it's like, it's a big hurdle to clear. Yeah. And I would definitely say like, I've talked to some people who are like, is it time to hire? Is it not time to hire? There is another option, which we did for a long time, and I really think it's it was good for us, which is sort of just finding people who are happy to be part-time or are happy to sort mm-hmm. of do flex hours. It is really hard, I think, often um, to do that with really like specialized processes. Like mm-hmm. for what I'm doing, there's a lot of sort of pretty basic stuff. Yeah. And I think breaking that stuff off of your business first to can kind of give you time without needing someone who needs, you know, three months of training before they're actually useful. Yeah. So anyway, totally interesting. Um, so you and I both run these brother CNC mills Mm -hmm. and one of their limiting factors, it's widely, widely agreed is, um, long tools running long tools because of the rigidity and the tool holder interface. Um, and so that's kind of been an ongoing challenge for me is to figure out how to do bigger parts effectively. Yeah. Um, and we have a bunch of parts right now that are all in the four inch tall range. Okay. Which is pretty long for, for these machines. Yeah. Uh, pretty long tools. Um, let's see, they're not all four inches tall, but they are all coming out of four inch stock. Uh, most of them are around three, three and a half inches tall. Um, and so I got this new tool. I've been trying to figure out really, 
I have, I have ways that I can finish parts like that, like do the finishing passes pretty effectively. Okay. Um, but roughing has always been a challenge. And so I got this new tool that's a, this is getting into very machiney geekness, but it's, yeah. it's a half inch diameter. Um, it has a five inch, five eighths inch length of cut and then a reduced neck down to three and three eighths. Nice. So you effectively have three and three eighths length before you start rubbing the shank on the wall, but you're only cutting with a five inch, five eighths inch length of cut. So the actual like, and you have a lot of carbide there to you have a lot have of carbide rigidity to keep it rigid. Yeah, in fact, we were doing this a part this last week where we did went down two inches with uh, a two inch length of cut standard tool. Okay, and then we finished off the last portion with this other tool. And is it just roughing? Uh, this was actually finishing, so I got okay. a finishing and a roughing version. Oh, cool. Um, and I was finding that there was actually more deflection in that two inch tool huh. than the long one. Um, there was like a little step because the wow the long one was undercutting the two inch length of cut. I mean, it had a lot. You know, the two inch length of cut tool has two inches of flute engaged in the cut. So right, like there's a lot more right. force there. Um, but I combined the rougher with a stubby Mari tool side lock holder. Okay, and the overall gauge length is not too crazy. Huh. So I'm pretty excited. Well, I mean, we're about to actually start putting it to real use. <laughs> today hopefully okay we've used it but not in anger um and <laughs> now we have a lot of parts to make that are going to require this over the next couple of weeks so we'll see how it holds up but uh pretty excited about this as a nice improvement for for those tall parts that are otherwise quite challenging right and as a fun little tidbit um uh so alexander slocum is like a precision machine designer at mm -hmm. MIT. He helped design the uh, ruling engine number three, I think they're at, which is like the most precise things. Well, is that the thing that was in the, that video that everybody's talking about? No, that's a so CMM. That's a right? CMM. This makes uh, diffraction gratings, which okay, a yeah. lot of scientists are sort of like, it's the most uh, useful tool science has, like the most fundamental technology. Anyway, uh -huh. and, and, and the goal with diffraction gratings is making the largest one possible but building largest but, physical size possible yes yeah. and it's basically scribing a bunch of linear lines yeah. um in aluminized glass mm -hmm. um and it's like thirty thousand to seventy thousand lines per inch mm -hmm. and uh deviation and parallelness are a few millionths of an inch mm -hmm. otherwise it starts to change your results yeah anyway they're very precise machines but um in terms of the stubby uh tool holders oh so rigidity um increases with diameter to the third power i believe and mm -hmm. so larger diameter obviously you get a lot more rigidity mm -hmm. unfortunately rotational inertia increases to the fifth power according mm -hmm. to him and so on these machines to do fast tool changes you need to fully decelerate the spindle before doing the tool change and oh, they so make these with a spinning tool. Oh, no, no. Sorry. For our machines, in terms oh. of design constraints, right? Like you oh, could say, yeah. oh, what, what's the advantage of 30 taper? Why wouldn't you just get a bigger tool holder? Because uh. then you can't stop the spindle as fast. Mm -hmm. um, Which these machines stop very fast. <laughs> ridiculously fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. So uh, another improvement we've been working on, um, morning meeting templates. 
um, to sort of have a standardized morning meeting. And the need for that, a few things. One, a lot of people who sort of successfully implement lean and build a lean culture um, when asked sort of what the most important step to take Mm -hmm. is, is the morning meeting. Mm. So um, taking that to heart, uh, the, the couple things we've really started to notice, one is making improvements starts to be it's hard to stay abreast of all the improvements happening. Mm-hmm. And so um, it will be nice to just be on the same page about stuff. The other yeah. is having a place to log production issues from the previous day without interrupting everyone's day mm. um, to sort of all talk about them. This happened. You know, why, why did that happen? Is it something we're going to follow up on? Are we going to? Anyway, so uh, a spot for that without sort of stopping the day and saying like, yeah, I might have to steal your template. <laughs> yeah, no, please. Um, I mean, um, and then the other is, yeah, uh, staying abreast of the improvements and then um, having, let's see, what else were we noticing there? Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. Yeah, between the recommendation and just being able to, oh, the last piece was um, a lot of conversations happen about different topics and then there's often no follow-up on them mm-hmm. and i feel like right now we're just using this sort of natural uh filter like you can generate a million ideas for things to improve around the shop right mm-hmm. but then deciding which ones actually happen right now is a not an explicit process it's just sort of like which ones happen yeah. are the ones that happen yeah. and the rest sort of get <laughs> dropped and and there's sort of a maybe uh you know a feeling that like the really good ideas will rise to the top and the rest right i I just feel like there could be a better approach to deciding which ones to do and Mm -hmm. which ones to spend time on and i think right now you know there's this idea of like uh things are either urgent or important sorry there's like a two by two matrix of urgent and important Uh uh-huh and uh so there's things that are urgent and important which get done there's mm-hmm. things that are urgent and not important which sometimes get done and then there's things that are not urgent anyway right and and it's the non-urgent but important things that often get pushed yeah um even though yeah and the non-important and urgent things um it's hard to stop and say like that's not going to happen mm-hmm. unfortunately yeah <laughs> yeah um <laughs> anyway so i think it'll make it a little bit harder to begin with because i think it's going to add a lot of noise because people are going to start adding all sorts of stuff to morning meeting templates and then we're going to have to build the skill of focusing on which things we want to bring they're going to add it to the template or they're going to throw it into the soup in the meeting i think add it to the soup in the meeting yeah, yeah there will be a place that starts capturing too much information mm-hmm. i suspect and then we'll have to come up with ways of deciding which things get talked about but i think that process will be overall helpful maybe you make a rubric like that yeah when they bring it up you you say okay on a scale of one to ten for urgency where is this in your process on a right. scale of one to 10 for importance, where do you put this? Yeah. So I think we're also going to start rating. Uh, I forget if I talked about this rating ideas for improvements or rating issues that we've flagged as how much, t- how, how, what's the cost of fixing them? Mm-hmm. And that's money and time. And what is the benefit? You know, like how, how impactful will this be? What's mm-hmm. the impact? And then you try to pick ones that are low cost, high impact. Yeah. Still sort of talking through how to do that exactly, but yeah. yeah. 
Interesting. Very interesting. Um, we got our Freddy in. Oh yeah. On Friday. Very nice. Yeah. It's cool. And I see why people get bigger ones. A Freddy is a oh, yeah. big vacuum cleaner <laughs> to filter the coolant and chips coming out of the back of the CNCs. Yeah. And the more, as, as I was using it, I was like, oh, it's just a vacuum cleaner. Right. <laughs> you don't have to think about it as being strictly for coolant. Yeah. Which I sort of have. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I can see why a bigger one would be nice. Right now, we, we're pumping out from the machine mm -hmm. and then when it fills pumping that back into a garbage can so we okay. can get everything out do all like the full vacuum out of the sump any other gotcha. like, it was really helpful honestly just for like you know how it just kind of gets to be a mess around the chip yes. pan just like vacuuming all that up was pretty nice nice um and it got the inside pretty pretty clean the inside of the sump the coolant tank pretty oh, clean cool. um here's a thought yeah. to solve your garbage it doesn't solve your garbage pail problem uh -huh. but you could maybe do well i'm thinking about the layout of your shop anyway i'll mention it is you pull one load out put it in a garbage can and the next and then you go to the next machine or maybe you do two garbage cans but then you filter from the second machine into this first machine oh it'd be fewer transfers that would only apply to your two mills that are right next to each other, I think. Yeah, it'd be a lot of rolling around. Um, and it's pretty tight back there, just mm. moving your body. So, yeah, around. probably not a good idea. <laughs> I like the concept. It's worth thinking about. Um, but uh, so Quorum did a machine clean out, and then I did one because I just kind of want to do it, see what it was like, and yeah. experience it. And it's definitely like significantly faster than doing it any other way. Okay. Um, having said that it was still like a chunk of time and it's a time when the machine can't be running. Right. So I don't think we're going to do it like definitely not daily and I'm not going to do okay. every machine every week. Mm -hmm. I think we are going to do one machine per week so that we're on a rotating schedule. Nice. Um, I, we did two last week. I think they're going to do two today to kind of like just get us up this morning before I get there just to kind of like get us all on a footing. Okay. On an even footing. Um, but yeah, I think that'll be kind of the schedule we'll work on and see how it goes. It came with two filter bags. Okay. One that I think is like a 200 micron and one that's a 20 micron. Yeah. Um, and ev so we have the clear blazer coolant. Mm -hmm. Even running through the 20 micron, some of the like super fines didn't get caught. Um, it was interesting pumping it back in and still seeing this kind of like haze. Interesting. Not, not a haze. Okay. It's like um, if you stirred silt. And you of. want to get that out. I'd like to. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's possible. I guess we I'm sure it's to, possible. It's just yeah. that as you go to finer and finer sizes, it gets yeah. <laughs> I think it harder would be, and harder to do. One thing we discussed was pumping out with the loose filter because that's where all the chips get yeah. caught and then swapping to the fine filter when you pump back in. So it goes through the filter when you pump back in? Um, well, you have to suck it back out of the garbage can. Right, yeah. gotcha. So no, it, it doesn't normally when you I just see. like That's pump a good idea. and then pump in. Yeah. But if we pump out into a garbage can and then we suck it back into the machine and pump it into the, right. into the vacuum and then- Yeah, you could also the look at getting a big bag filter for the garbage can. 
And then when you dump it in. Oh. Uh-huh. <clears throat> that would only be gravity feed, which may be your limiting factor. The thing is surface area is sort of the name yeah. of the game. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's a good thought. I know, unfortunately, <laughs> quite a bit about <laughs> silt loading filters. Uh-huh. Oh, right. From your yeah, water filter it's days. It's a mess. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I've um, experienced plenty of that in, in the mountains as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, nice. I, I'm, I'm wondering if your R450 will get loaded substantially faster because the spindle up time is... It does. Yeah, that's the first machine we cleaned out. Interesting. So your weekly schedule might be, you'll oh. either be overdoing the the S machines or mm-hmm. underdoing. The- yeah, that's true. And also the lathe, uh, because it has a chip conveyor, yeah. doesn't seem to be as bad. Also the type of chips that lathes right. make. I'm feeling like fines are probably less of an issue or do you get fines still? Um, there's some, but they are much less of an issue. Hmm. I mean, ideally, if you like are running your lathes perfectly and right pushing it hard enough it makes pretty small chips or but they're small broken, but also I, broken right, up chips right but they're not the same shape they're not and they're not really fines right they're sort of just small but nice and chunky yeah like 200 they're not smaller than 200 microns i would think but maybe they are i think if you're doing like a fine finishing pass and it's just taken off like this little skim gotcha it, yeah it can be pretty, pretty interesting fine. yeah um so a big one Another big one is just for us has been uh, over the past week really trying to organize the shop and just clear out the, um, you know, get back into those corners. And I mean, our shop, as you know, is just not that organized. Um, Like the cells are sort of organized, the specific locations. But in between that, there's a lot of mess um, and disorder. And so I think, yeah, just trying to really get things uh a little just cleaner, neater, uh, you know, three Sing or five Sing or just Sing. I don't know. <laughs> Doing some cleaning, um, and it's it's been good. Um, I'm gonna start with one S. <laughs> yeah, sweep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's one, and then the last one we have um, is a little bit boring. It's about the the podcast itself, but uh, we mentioned we redid the template to make accessing the data and inputting the data just a little faster mm-hmm. um since breaking up the episode into two sorry breaking up the podcast into two episodes in the week um there was a question about where to put the quote no sorry where to put the show notes show notes um because for those of you who haven't figured it out we record record both episodes in one go yeah one one sitting and so uh we just had a conversation about if we put the show notes in one so we have one template for each week and then if the show notes are sort of above their their respective sections you do more scrolling and they're sort of hard to find and so we ended up putting them right up at the top so that was a little improvement was both adding you know just making that modification to our template so that it sort of gets propagated across each new episode um and i feel like that improvement has been good and then the last was uh getting a pop filter for your mic Mm -hmm. and um hopefully this episode is pop free (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah so that's that's about it yeah thanks for everybody for listening uh one thing i forgot to mention was uh thanks to everybody who reached out about the probing uh issue i was having 
um, sounds like there is ways to do what I want to do now, not straight out of, not straight posted out of cam, I believe without a little bit of editing, at least for our machines. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, um, yeah, another thing to work on as soon as I can make some time. (laughs) Um, for sure. Yeah. So thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for the feedback. Yep. You can find us on Instagram at incremental CI. Um, please, uh, follow and then share improvements you're making and tag us and, uh, yeah, check out the stories is mostly where that's at. We actually have highlighted a lot of the improvements. So if you go to our profile and click highlights, you can sort of see a lot of the improvements other people are making, Mm -hmm. which is kind of fun. Uh, You can find me at austere underscore manufacturing on Instagram. You can find me at lichen underscore MFG. And uh, yeah, till next week. All right. See ya.